What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to this month's edition of the Comics Pals Book Club. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, and on this month, we are jumping into Battle Chasers, the 90s cult classic. This is a listener request from our very own Matt Murphy from the Discord. Thank you for writing in over there, Matt. Uh, we appreciate this suggestion. Remember, if you want to get your pick read uh, in our monthly book club, uh, just head over to the Discord and you know, just ask. Harris actually just did that earlier today. Just got his book on the list. That's all you got to do. Yep. So easy as that. Easy as that. So come on through, request, and just like Matt Murphy, you could have your book read. So uh, we are, of course, like I said, reading Battle Chasers, which is, of course, uh, best known for being created by uh, Joe Madrera. Madrera? Joe Mad. I'm not sure how to say it. Joe Mad. Joe Mad. That's true. That is his. I looked up that that was his shorthand. Forgot to use it. So Joe Mad who is uh, the creator and primary uh, co-artist, or I'm sorry, primary artist and the co-writer of the the, of the series. Uh, he was best known for working on Uncanny X-Men in the 90s. Um, he's known for having a style that, you know, definitely is like, obviously he's a Western artist, but he has like a very kind of like Japanese-influenced style, which I'm sure we'll talk a lot about when we dive into the art on this book uh, and how it influenced it. Um, but it also had uh, another. Here's a name I'm definitely going to just demolish. So apologies in advance. <laughs> but uh, Munir Sharif, I believe it is, uh, who also was the other co-writer who worked on scripts. I think that wasn't along bad. with a number of inkers and colorists. <laughs> that wasn't so bad. It could have been worse. That wasn't Kale saying it. That is true. It's true. Uh, so if, like me, you were not familiar with Battle Chasers before this uh, this review. Um, uh, it was originally published by Wildstorm under its cliffhanger imprint, uh, which, if again, if you're not familiar, I guess I should clarify, Wildstorm was originally an image imprint before it later got sold off to DC Comics. Right. Um, and then it moved over to Image Proper, actually, around the time that the sale went through and everything. Um, so the book, uh, like I said, it is a cult classic, but it definitely famously suffered from a, a lot of extreme scheduling problems. Um, where there was like generally about six months between issues, with the longest gap being sixteen months. Yeah, you saga fans complain. Whew. Yeah, this is way <laughs> worse than that. <laughs> uh, so just to to break that down for you, uh, Joe Mad had in that nine issues, they, it took four years to get those done. So you were only getting about two to three a year if you were following this book. Is it worth it? <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the the funny thing is I think despite all of that, despite those many problems, uh, the book was hugely popular and, you know, remains, um, I wouldn't say hugely popular, but has a, a definitely a devoted fan base as we saw when we announced we were going to be doing a book club for it and people really got excited about it. Yes, so yeah. much engagement uh, on social media. Yeah, yeah, which was cool. So the series ended uh, with that ninth issue in September of 2001, uh, which ironically ended on a cliffhanger. Um, and was never concluded. Yeah, that was interesting. So, we'll talk about it, but that was very interesting. Yeah, and there's like a whole angle to that that we'll get into, I think, like once we get to the end of the book. But um, just to like wrap up my little book report here, mm-hmm. um, issue 10 was scheduled for November of 2001 of that year, but Joe Matt actually left comics completely to uh, pursue a career in game design, which is something that will also come up in this conversation later, interestingly enough. Um, so even though, you know, it was really a, a, a relatively short run in the grand scheme of things, the book is definitely, uh, endured. It's, it's maintained, you know, um, a pretty rabid fan base and, uh, I, I'm excited to jump into it because this is an interesting one. I, I love some, one of my favorite things about comics is how easy it is to kind of like 
kick over a rock and find a series that has legacy and history and like this, yep. you know, this huge um, group of people that really love it and are, you know, are passionate about it. And you're, you've totally never heard of it before. And that's as somebody who like, you know, Marco and I both really like image books and I have one I've never heard of. I really like yeah. Wildstorm. There True. you go. So have you, have you heard of it, Phil? I never, I never uh, played this before. Uh, you know, the characters Zitz, Rash, and Pimple. Yeah, I really uh, was really interested in them. Uh, obviously, they Jesus. were a big source of memes back in the early 2010s. Uh, people would game, you know, call GameStop all the time with their prank phone calls, saying, "I want to play Battletoads." So, like, I'm I am familiar with the meme. Never played it before. You're really dating us by making a Battletoads joke. Hey, <laughs> yeah, game just came uh, out. <laughs> That's true. It's hot again. It's hot again. Uh, just like Battle Chasers is hot again. So uh, I'm excited to jump into it. Uh, before I do that, let me just quickly tell you where you can find us all across the globe if this is your first time with us. We are, of course, the Comics Pals. We make content about comics, as you might have guessed. Uh, if this is your first podcast with us, we also do a weekly comic book show called The Comics Pals, appropriately enough, where we talk about uh, you know the news, goings on in the comics world. We review weekly comics sometimes. It's a great time. Lots of good interviews. Um, go check it out. Visit us on YouTube, where we've also got all kinds of con coverage back when conventions were a things, thing that you were allowed to do, um, and a bunch of other great content for you. So I hope you'll go check that stuff out and show your support. And of course, you can join our Discord or write into us at thecomicspals at gmail.com if you want to get uh, your, you know, your book chosen for the next book club, you want to write into the main show, you want to get your thoughts in on a book club episode, any of that stuff, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, the best way to keep up with everything that we've got going on is, of course, to go and follow us on social media. We are at the Comics Pals everywhere your social media is sold, uh, and it is the best way to keep up with all the stuff that we're doing. So easiest thing, go turn on tweet notifications. We don't tweet that often, and when we do, it's always fire stuff. So easy way to keep up all right so i think that's enough shilling for now before we get into the meat of it let's just give our kind of surface level you know spoiler free what would you think of the book what's your overall kind of you know temperature gauge on it um marco I'll, I'll, let's start with you so uh you know you, you mentioned that we're big image marks but this is one of those that i feel has history that i had no idea about and I think that it was a really fun story. It it, it it got me into the world like from the get-go. I was easy to follow and it was engaging enough. The characters were fun. I I think that this was a overall really cool book. Um, I, I'd never heard of it. I'm glad we read it. And um, it's interesting that it'd be the first time I heard it considering how big Joe Matt is. And, and the other thing there is I, I had no idea who Joe Matt is. What? Like, Never heard of the guy. Me neither. Oh. Um, no, no concept for who he is, his legacy in the industry. Uh, and so, I mean, it, if this is nine, like a good example of 90s comics, then, I mean, that's a probably, this book would be like a stepping stone into that sort of era for, for me. I mean, obviously I'm reading Onslaught, but like. Of course, the classic. The classic, I mean, the, the, the classic tale, but this is probably like really exemplary work. I had a lot of fun with it. What about you, Phil? Yeah, I had no idea really about this book. Uh, and it's really interesting that a nine issue series like this that ends on a cliffhanger, no less, has such a large cult following. But you know what? That's sort of emblematic of, of a lot of kind of corners on the internet. 
um, that, you know, something random like this will just pick up like a lot of momentum. And, and it's been 20 years is the thing that's crazy to me. And it, it still has a cult following uh, to the point where like, uh, you know, a video game was made and they're talking about, they're constantly talking about movie and like finally completing the issues. Like uh, it's, it's crazy that there's still such a lasting interest with regard to how I feel about it, it was it was it was all right. It was fine. Um, you know what? It was it was very cinematic um, in its in its delivery. You know, there was a lot of like very yeah. uh, well paced. It was very well paced, and um, you know they would set up these one liners and stuff in like really satisfying ways. Like it was re- really cleverly written. Um, so I can see why it it has. Has a following, like it, it, it's 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 got a pulse to it, you know. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I think that's a good way to put it. Like that, I think that was my biggest takeaway from my experience with it was that I think for for how short it is, I was very surprised, and and to to then find out that it ended on a cliffhanger, I, I was kind of very surprised by how much love there was for it. But it, but it kind of reminded me of. Um, a few other like properties that I remember having like a similar kind of energy around them. Um, sure, of course. No, but like uh, the thing that came to mind for me was like something like um, like Clone High or Mission Hill or something like that. Like something that like has like this cult love for it, and like it has an energy and a vibe to it that feels unique and fresh, or I'm um, at least did definitely at the time. I'm sure, and. I feel like some of that cult status is probably around the fact that it just ended abruptly and it never got that resolution because I think what stuck out to me was what Marco touched on of how quickly it drew me in and how interested I was in like the lore and the characters and what their connections were and what they meant, even though none of it was that deep, you know, like I think it's a book that um, like it is like I would say fairly shallow. Um, but it, but it's like, it's conveyed in a way that I think makes it feel like more than the sum of its parts, you know? You know what? Like it, go go ahead. ahead. It's, it's, it feels emblematic of a time period though. On our proper show, we've talked about nineties comics and, and Pete, you often talked about how you're not terribly interested in reading a lot of the, the. 90s era comic books right like they're not something that appealed to you um but this book really i think personifies like that post you know neil gaiman grant morrison alan moore style of like late 80s introspective uh dirty kind of uh prose heavy comics with just a lot of spreads a lot of action a lot of tna and that's all that's all on display here but i think it kind of brings out the best qualities of that and it's it isn't yeah it isn't i would agree it isn't deep but it's not i don't think that's i don't think it matters i don't think things always have to be deep or anything like who that's a that's exhausting honestly yeah yeah right and and like i i guess i guess that's what i mean right where like i think on its face like if somebody told me they didn't like the book because it was shallow or something like that i i think i could understand that but i feel like it it feels shallow in the same way that, like, a Saturday morning cartoon feels shallow. 
You know what I mean? Where it's like, it's it's not really about that. You know, or like or like Dragon Ball Z. You oh, know, where like say something it, we can't take back. No, 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 because no, <laughs> I, I don't mean that in any kind of dig, right? But it's like I feel like Dragon Ball Z is like a great analogy because it's a, a work I very much think is more than the sum of its parts. It as an experience and what it can impart and what you can take away from it by like the connection you can have to it is more than the quality of its animation or its writing or its dialogue or any of that stuff, you know? And I get a similar feeling from this of like, yeah, I don't think any one character was supremely written or that like any of the jokes like felt super novel or anything like that. But like the entire thing, it felt good. It tasted good. And like, it, it, it's like indulging in a good piece of junk food, you know? There were some really good jokes I here, think- though. There was that one in the ninth issue where the golem wants to skip rocks, and he's trying to figure oh, out if it's yeah. magic, and then he himself skips over water like a rock. Oh, that was a great payoff. Yeah, that was brilliant. That was, like, such a, like, Looney Tunes-esque mm-hmm. bit, you know? <laughs> Sorry, Marco. I think, I think no, no, the, the other thing for me, I think that, that I'm, like, reminded of is since this was an image book in the 90s, like, people were following the artists a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, like, like this is a strong showing of art. Yeah. is sort of where people might be coming from with this book as well oh. like outside of the the narrative i think i think the the sort of uh, the the kind of display and mix of like styles is really present here like obviously it looks like a sort of a jim lee but at the same time i'm reminded of like um gabriel rodriguez who he does uh locking key with uh with joe hill and, and like like some of that like there's just like a lot of art that I see has been expanded upon from here as like a baseline, which is really interesting to me as well. Yeah. And particularly I think with like the, the Japanese influence and like mm. some of the, like it, it, it very much, it feels like a late nineties, early two thousands piece of media, because like, I think that vibe was present in like a lot of media at the time, you know? Um, but it does, it does so in a way that feels unique. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'm sure it's interesting. Uh, you know, the first like uh, this this art feels very much like a you know a piece of of, it, of the time it was you know created. The first person I thought of when I saw it was like Ed McInnes, who uh, you know did a lot of Deadpool. He did Superman, Batman, Public Enemies with Jeff Loeb. Like that's 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 what it looked like to me. But you know what we had, we talked about. Uh, if we had ever heard this book before and something that I kept thinking while I was reading it is uh, I feel like I had seen like red Monica all over the internet in the mid two thousands, like just in different like advertising platforms. Probably. Yeah. Like you go on a comic book website and she's like in a banner or something. And, and that, that was like, and yeah, I never recognized where that was from or anything, but I think that's really where my familiarity with the book comes from is just seeing this very, uh, very overt sex symbol plastered everywhere, uh, in all the corners of the internet. Sure. Yeah. I saw, I saw a thing. Um, I was like reading up on the book a little bit when I figured out I was going to be hosting, um, and like one of the things I saw was that Joe Mad had said that he like had intended for her to kind of be like the Jessica Rabbit of the, the book, and I was like, okay, sure, yeah, whatever you gotta call it, yeah, that's what that's what that's what you went for. <laughs> I, I feel like their personalities are really different. 
Yeah, I would agree. I, uh, I would definitely agree. <laughs> it's strange that he based uh, based her on uh, Jessica Rabbit. I just I can't see the similarities. You don't see the resemblance, no. Nah. <laughs> so the red hair, maybe. Oh, right, maybe. Red, red hair. Maybe. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe a few other things about her body, but I don't know. Um, in general, I I really enjoyed the book. Uh, more a lot more than I thought I would too, which is which is cool. Um, so let's let's hop into the, like the full spoiler discussion. We'll get into it. Um, like we said, there's there's only uh, ten issues if you count issue zero. Uh, so it's you know not not too hard to get through the entire thing. Um, so obviously, I think let's let's start at the beginning, right? Like our our main character is Gully, who is the daughter. Uh, she's nine years old in the first issue. Who is the daughter of Aramis? Who is like the the greatest hero of uh, of the kingdom where they live? I don't remember the name of it, but so I'll just apologize for that. The the, the unified territories. The unified territories. Thank you. Yeah. So he's kind of the, the the most legendary hero of the unified territories. He is. He has gone missing, uh, and uh, a, a group of bandits basically who are you know, under the guise of trackers, come to her home, kill her nanny, and she escapes um, with this box that she's told is, you know, this key to this ultimate power. And that's where she kind of gets hooked up with um, the rest of our of our main cast here. Um, or at least, like, that's, that's kind of like the, you know, the through line there, right? Where she gets um, hooked up with Calibretto, who's uh, a war golem, who is uh, this piece of technology from an old war that is now legal and you know he's like this very like steampunk kind of golem he's got guns and you know a lot of very like modern tech on him um which is interesting and uh and then nolan who is uh, a wizard as you might guess (laughs) this is a fantasy story Uh um and you know that's that's like kind of the base level that we work off of through the rest of the series, you know, is like this, this inciting incident and then kind of the mystery of what has happened to Gully's father and what is the, the true power behind these gauntlets and, um, and kind of like, how do all these disparate pieces fit together? You know, um, we're, we're then later introduced to, uh, some of the other main characters, Garrison, who is a legendary swordsman who was her, uh, Gully's father's apprentice, um, and was like basically the, the most powerful knight, uh, in, in the King's army until, uh, the death of his wife. And then since then he's been just a drunk kind of, you know, off, off living on his, in the dilapidated remains of their home. Uh, and he gets put back on the board because he finds out that Gully is in danger. And, of course, that's his former master's child. So he feels some some honor bound there. And then kind of our last um, major player to talk about is Red Monica, who Phil alluded to before is the Jessica Rabbit of the book. She is uh, this very, very hyper-sexualized 90s assassin who uh, originally trained Garrison and you know, is kind of like wound up in this on the side of things, but doesn't really do too much, I guess, because the story didn't get to develop as much as it needed to. Um, so what was what was your take on on all of these characters, I guess? Because I, I think we kind of alluded to it in the, the preamble. I don't think that any of them are particularly deep, but I found myself uh, liking them anyway a lot. 
in, in uh, some more than others, but yeah, I, I like the dynamics. I think like Gully was obviously she's like the the young sort of naive <laughs> child, and it, it's it's fun to sort of uh, the moments that we have with her are, are fun, especially when she's paired with Calabretto because you know he's like the the soft hearted you know beast uh for lack of a better term and um i, I think i think like I, I got reminded of him from um what is it former alchemist sure like, like Al. yeah exactly yeah. and then like, like you know he's he, he's really nice he's super sweet and so because of that i i i found their relationship to be really strong and, and appealing for me i found him and to then, be like the iron giant marco oh uh, yeah. similar kind of vibes exactly yeah <laughs> And um, also, they were what is it uh, with with Nolan? You know, he's like the elder wizard. He's leading them around. He's kind of like the the parent of the group and stuff, which is fun. And uh, Garrison, I think, is probably the one character that has the most development um, to some extent. Yeah, you know, he you know, he's he's the more tragic figure. They all fit their molds really, really well, and it it helps the the story from a sort of character perspective right everybody has their sort of part everybody experiences these experiences and and it all plays into the narrative that's going on yeah you know what i thought was interesting like you you brought up the the trope thing and um it kind of like weirdly reminded me of like uh like the commedia dell'arte you know where it was like they are archetypes but it felt um it, it, again, I think this was a way where it felt very inspired by Japanese media to me, where it was like there are typical characters that fit into their archetypes cleanly enough that I think you can like meet them and immediately get a sense for who they are and what their vibe is, but like not in a way that makes them feel flat. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, um, and, and that's kind of hard to articulate because they are kind of thin, but um. I, I definitely was with you in terms of uh, I, I really, really connected with Calabretto as a character. Like, I I am a, such a sucker for that type of character, particularly the fact that he's a machine, but he, like, really, like, he, like, loves animals and, like, he, that the thing where, like... Um, Superhumanized. Yeah, where, like, Nolan was going to go get supplies and he's like, oh, I'm good. Like, we're just, we're just running dangerously low on bird seed and he's, like, feeding all these birds, <laughs> yeah. you know? And it's, like, these, like, little character beats that I think give them – it gives you flashes of their personality and enough to kind of color the archetype in a way where they feel more fleshed out than I think they actually are. Yeah, the book doesn't do anything to really revolutionize characters. And maybe this is why when we talk about uh, it may be feeling a little shallow. It's because I don't think the book really attempts to reinvent anything, and that's really totally fine. I mean, all these characters really are what they are, which is what you guys said, which are kind of these basic archetypes. Um, in fact, sometimes it really leaned into like a lot of familiar beats in the storytelling, like a lot of the stuff with Garrison, where it's like, Garrison, we need you, and he's like, No, it's like. <laughs> uh, we've we've been down this road before in, in media, or or like, and even like the the tragic backstory, yeah. right? Of like he's this this amazing swordsman who had hung up his blade because he fell in love, and then it's implied that like his greatest enemy was the one who like orchestrated the death of his wife. Yeah, and it's that's like, my backstory. That's character motivation. Yeah, it's my backstory. <laughs> I feel totally. He's a kindred spirit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and and you know, you could think of other kindly robots like Calibretto. I, you talk about feeding the birds. It's like Android sixteen in the aforementioned Dragon Ball. Uh, that was like his whole gimmick. Um, but you know what? There's something. It was like it's a fine line to walk, I guess. But it really earnestly uh, walks the line of familiar, I guess. Um, and it gets away with it. It, it works. I think it's because it leans on those things as, like, devices rather than, like, as crutches, you know? Because, like, I feel like it uses those tropes and those familiar beats to quickly catch you up on characters so that it can actually, like, introduce new ideas and put them in situations rather than, like, focus on all this characterization, Yeah, you know? It's just like, hey, these are who these characters are and this is why they get along. Right. Cool? And that's, you know what, you keep talking about Japanese media, but that's like something big in anime, I think, where you don't waste as much time being bogged down by character backstory and development and stuff. And this book does have that. It just it doesn't ruminate on it. Uh, I feel like that's pretty pervasive and more like show and jump type stories, too, because it's like you want to get to the meat and, of it. And and I also think I'm glad you brought up the Shonen comparison because Marco uh, made the comment earlier about how Gully is very much like the archetype of like the innocent young child with this incredible power, and it's like that's a total Shonen thing too, right? And like Naruto, I, I, I think Goku, it, uh, 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 the kid from My Hero Academia, yeah, like go on and on and on, right? Like that's that's the that's the genre, right? Is yeah, this this young kid, and they get more powerful and more powerful and more powerful. And like, you put likable characters around them who, like, you're like uh, in the example of like My Hero Academia, right? They can see, well, they're classmates, so that's why they all know each other. And they they okay, get it? Great, let's go. Like, let's tell a story. Um, and I think the fact that Gully is like a child of a famous person, and all these people like know her father, and they're like, oh yeah, cool. Like, yeah, we'll help this kid. It's like, oh, all right, yeah, I buy that. She's nine years old. Like, they would probably help her if she wasn't famous, but she is, and she has a superpower, so got it. That's why she's at the center of things. It just works, you know? And, like, you buy it because it's familiar, and you're like, yeah, I know. Like, that makes sense. That's digestible, and it lets you get to the meat of what they actually want to do, which is, I think, probably why it works so well, even though it's so short, is that it does a lot of heavy lifting for you in the beginning hmm. yeah yeah like like the the events that they go through like for example you know the first attack uh on on the house and gully she's running away she bumps into like the the next sort of crew that you're supposed to acquire within your group and then after that they the house gets ransacked that they were staying at so then they go into like the next thing that we have to like, travel to you know the kingdom and 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 because to your point right because we sort of know how these characters interact we don't need to worry about how they're going to feel necessarily we just have to worry that okay they're now they're here now they're going to the city now they're doing xyz and and, and it works well i i think it does work well to communicate the those ideas um and to just push your story along which is fun and it's funny you you I, you made that point, and Phil earlier commented on how the pacing was really good. It reminds me of, um, I believe it was in the documentary about how South Park got made or something like that. I don't remember when, but I, I remember uh, one of the writers talking about this like key tenant of good storytelling, right? Is that like it should always be this happens, so like A happens, so B happens, then C happens, right? Not... A happens and B happens and C happens. And I think that was something that this book did really well, where to the point you just made, right? Like every act, like Gully's house 
is attacked. Therefore, her caregiver dies. So she runs into the woods. Then she meets Calabretto. And that's how she gets hooked up with the wizard, right? And, like, and that's how they go to the king. And, like, it just keeps cascading in a way that is – it's a natural unfurling of events, you know? Um, and it doesn't linger on anything for too long. It does a good job of, like, making use of captions to, like, jump ahead when there's not anything interesting to focus on for a while. It's like, oh, so nothing happened for a while later. It's it's now, now it's later. Mm. Great. Cool. It, ju- it just, like, it – it it really uh, Phil you you called it you said that it was like cinematic earlier. Yeah. I think it does a good job of that, right? Of like a a good a well edited movie, right? Like there'll be giant gaps mm-hmm. in time, and it doesn't feel that way. And I think the book achieves that as well. And not just that, but you, you talk about the you know, kind of the integration of an A and B plot. Certainly, in in some stories, like in TV. Uh, an A and B plot can be separate things, and that works sometimes. But when an A and B plot tie together f- toward a resolution of a story, which happens in movies often because it has to, uh, it, that that kind of gives it the cine- uh, cinematic feel. I feel like, and uh, that is what happens here because, like anything that happens with you know our, our trio, uh, everything that's happening with Garrus and separately eventually ties in all together. Yeah, and, and then like by a few issues in, he's with yes. them, right? And and I, I think Phil, to your point on the A and B plot, um, could we quickly talk about our C plot? Um, Red Monica. Are you talking about who, the double D plot? Sure. Oh yes, the double, <laughs> that's a yes, way exactly. better transition. <laughs> that was why I got confused because you said C plot, and I was like, well, he can't be talking about Red Monica. <laughs> but I, I liked how her story was separate. Yeah, like, like like each of these characters' stories were somewhat separate. Like Garrison, you mentioned, was a little bit separate, but he joins on later. I did like that they were priming each of these characters sort of separately to join in. Like obviously, the the cliffhanger at the end is you know is where you would assume Red Monica sort of joins the the crew. But up until then, she's sort of off doing her own thing. There's like a history there connected with Garrison and. There's, um, they're like smaller details to what you mentioned earlier too, Pete, where like, you know, you don't have to necessarily like go back and, and focus on all of these individual pieces, but like just the, the general understanding helps that relationship. And so, you know, she, again, because like she decides to, um, go to free this one person from the, from the prison you know, this person is released and therefore like all this other shit starts to happen around the kingdom and everything. You know, it, it, it all is not formulaic, um, but it's all. That's a little formulaic, uh, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, cause it's like to the, to the point that Phil made, right? Like, I think it's, it's an example of how like you don't need to reinvent the wheel to make something that's satisfying. Yeah. Listen, mm-hmm. right. Listen, like all it, the, gr- so many of the great stories of like generations are are built on tropes and familiarities and and stuff like that that that's yeah. not a pro that's not an issue no I, and i i think i think the reason that we we say those things or the, i guess the reason I, I feel like we're harping on it in this conversation is because i think that that can be construed as a negative and in this case i really don't think it is um and i think that there are a lot of examples to your point of of great pieces of media that are very formulaic or are, do lean on tropes and so what? You know, is, is it good? Like, did it make you feel something? Um, that's what's important, right? And I think um, 
I did connect with this this book, and and I it, it's almost tough to articulate why because it was thin and it was short, and I I definitely you can see where it was going, and that I feel like it had a lot of potential, and like that's I guess the most frustrating thing about it is that like it did leave me wanting more in both a good way and a bad way, knowing that you know what uh, nineteen years later there still isn't more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got the that anthology, like the whole big anthology collection on Comicsology. I'm like, oh, 300 pages. All right, I made it like page two thirty. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. We have like, we still have like a lot to go, and it ended. I'm like, oh, there's probably like I'm confused. There's probably like seventy pages of like just you know art, and <laughs> stuff. Like art and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh, that's a thing here. Yeah. Did that frustrate you, Marco? The and you, Pete, like the the lack of resolution in the story. I, it did because it obviously had a lot. There was a lot of um, room to continue to sort of go along with the story, and I think I, I, the, the direction that it was sort of heading on was interesting. Like it, it, in the, for example, the villain um, August, right? Like we get two glimpses of him, maybe, and then the book ends. You, you know, there was um, one of my favorite characters. Uh, the what was it Maestro? Mm-hmm. Who is the right hand man of King Veneer? Who I'm like, oh yeah, I want to know what his deal is. Yeah. There's just so much to the world, which you know, to 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 Joe's credit, like he he builds a really good and strong mm-hmm. world that I wanted to continue to explore. That we just don't get the opportunity to, and and we sort of um, we don't even get the the resolution of a sub arc within this larger story. Yeah, like. Um, there's also like the introduction of like Gully's potential brother right. and all that. Who's like, got a Loki vibe like, to and him? That, well, and I thought all of that was deeply interesting and like yeah. very compelling. Um, and yeah, like I did find it frustrating because basically, like I I felt like um, this felt like the beginning of an epic. Yes, you know. Yes, and then it like it got cut off at the not even at the knees at like the ankles. You know, like it's like. It feels like if you read like the first uh, six issues of Saga, and then it just ended, you know. And it's just, uh, <laughs> that's it. Okay, fuck. And like it didn't even it ended with them like escaping, and like the lo- the rocket launcher just shoots something out at them, and you're like, will they survive? Tune in next yeah, time. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I that. Did, it's tough because I wouldn't say that it lessened my enjoyment of what I read. Yes. But it very much – I don't know. Like it, it, it makes me have mixed feelings about this this series oh, because it very much makes me feel like I get why it has the cult status. You know, like it feels like a – like it, it feels like a great unfinished work, you know, of its time or something like that. But like I think the fact that it is so short – and that it is over before there's literally the resolution of any plot at all. You know, it, it it ultimately amounts to a bunch of great setup for nothing, you know? And, like, I'm glad I read it. It didn't, you know, like, I, I, I still feel, like, over, like, high about it overall. But it, it does, like, leave, I don't want to say a bad taste in my mouth, but just, like, just, it's just, it's, like, just an air of disappointment, you know, of that, like... Is this book that like? Can you imagine how frustrating it must have been to read this in real time? Like you're getting two or yeah. three issues of it of it of it in a year. You go, you wait over a year for the seventh issue, and then it just ends out of nowhere because you know Joe Mad was just like, I'm done with comics, and like, 
all, all, that's fine, right? Like, it's totally, he's an artist. He's allowed to move on to another medium and do, do something else. But, uh, yeah, like, it, it, it kind of burns, you know? Like, it stings. It's maybe crazy to me that this, you know, hasn't received any kind of publish, pu- publication follow-up since then. Because, uh, you know, there is a demand for it. You would think at any point over the last 20 years, there would have been some kind of con- uh, continuation. Yeah, yeah, and, and and I think you know to uh, to that point though, like because it is under the image banner, like you know they can hop on and off whenever they want to, and uh, you know th- I guess the greatest fear here is that something similar might happen to let's say a saga. I, I don't think it will, but like, but you know that's like the the mm. one comparison I can feel is 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 that you know what if what if that would happen to to a book like that? You know, like be, because it is creator owned, because they have the the leeway to do so. Um, there isn't a like timetable or, or need to wrap something up necessarily. It's all at the behest of the creator. I mean, uh, if they if if he decides he wants to come back to this, like all the power to him, you know. Because I, I I think I think I would I would honestly I'd be hungry for it. To to what Pete was saying earlier, you know, like you you it it doesn't leave a bad taste in your mouth. And I don't know that bittersweet is the right word for it necessarily, but it's just like I don't know. You you, you take a bite of it, but it feels like fluffy and like fluffier and full of air than 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 you thought it did and it's not satisfying you know what it reminds me of it's like when you open a bag of chips and you realize that there's like more air in it than you wanted there to be and you're like like i'm still gonna enjoy this half a bag of chips but i thought i was gonna get a lot more god this this is like the nerd that's like the nerdiest like accessory (laughs) comparison it's like drinking it's like drinking mountain dew and you realize it's flat like you're so good you kick it. open your bag of Doritos and it's almost empty. <laughs> do you, do you guys know if the the games continue this story at all or like what the I deal do, is with that? I do in fact, Marco. I did oh. tons of research. Wow. I was going to save this until later, but we got here naturally, so let's talk about it and then we'll get back to the actual book. This is your redemption so, for forgetting the name of the town that they're from. It is cuz I have tons of information and I can answer all your questions. <laughs> so, uh after uh, over a decade long hiatus you know uh there's a book there had been lots of requests for you know more and when would it come back and joe mad uh kind of famously returned to comics uh in i believe it was around 2005 and he went and worked on ultimates 3 and everything and there was like a lot of oh is battle chase gonna come back it was a thing he said he always felt guilty and like felt like it was this unfinished thing that he would love to get back to but (laughs) You know, give he, it to me. And he, you know, he, he said like, ah, if if I do get back to it, it won't be for quite some time. You know, it was Ugh. kind of the last official word on it. And then it was all quiet on the Battle Chasers front for another decade until 2015, when Joe Mad at his second video game studio, he had founded a studio right after leaving comics. That studio eventually was sold, and you know, all that stuff. He starts a new studio. The first game that they announced uh, was through Kickstarter, and it was called Battle Chasers Night War, which Ooh. was a turn-based RPG that served as both a continuation and a jumping-on point for the series. What? Uh, so the game involves the main cast that we've been talking about uh, getting marooned on an island and having to defeat an evil sorceress to escape the island. Um, and as part of the Battle Chasers Kickstarter, all people who supported the book uh, at $90 or higher 
got uh, the promise of a digital release of issues 10, <laughs> 11, and 12 <laughs> of the series. Uh, that were, will pick up exactly where 9 left off and apparently end the first arc. Or whatever, right? Like, what? Give some level of completion. So this is in 2015, right? The game came out uh, in 2018, and the most recent update on where the the rest of these issues are. um, There's actually a bleeding cool article from June 16th, 2019, that I found by uh, Rich Johnson, who gave an update on it where Joe Mad will not be drawing Battle Chasers 10 through 12 now. Because um, there's like a lengthy explanation that was a Kickstarter update from back then. But the lo- the TLDR of it is uh, basically like doing the game and completing all of the Kickstarter rewards, porting it to other platforms. Like basically just the realities of him running a game studio have made it where he's just like not been able to actually get these done. So he's now found a artist, you know, that's going to do that. He's still going to write the script and, and, you know, oversee the story and everything. And he's like, basically says in it that he said, I'm truly sorry to have to let you guys down. Everyone else. I promise the, I, the wait will be worth it. The game has reinvigorated me to create new battle chaser stories. And I think they'll be among the best so far. I mentioned this somewhere before, but in case you missed it, issues 10 through 12 will pick up exactly where the last issue left off and focus on Garrison, his past and his complicated relationship with the fugitive red Monica. So, uh, that's, that's where we're at. That game came out three years ago. Did it come out three years ago? 2017. Because I was going to say, I, I know that it, it came to consoles in 2018, I think. Damn, dude. So, all right, wait, wait. So, so 10, 12, that's only three issues. And then what? That's it? I mean, let's He's be real gonna... here. That has to be it. That's, I, I, I would say that's the most you can expect. I would, because I, I feel confident we'll get those three issues at some point. It might be years from now, because obviously Joe Mad not so great at uh, keeping comp- promises when it comes to Battle Chasers. <laughs> but, uh, but I think I think you, I think that I am confident that the series will continue because the game was successful uh, financially and critically. They have these three more issues coming, and if they get us used to the idea of another, oh, an image is going to be releasing physical versions of them, which is cool. Oh, nice. Um. If there's another game and it continues to have momentum and like he's reinvigorated to work on the franchise, maybe we'll get more. But I think the reality of like him drawing it and like having it actually have a real return to form, like I think a lot of fans want, is probably not what you're going to get. You know what, Pete? Uh, I'm not directing my ire towards you, but I'm mad that you told me this. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, so I, I guess like. Um, I've not experienced a book where somebody started it, stopped it for, for literally like two two decades, and then this is deciding to pick it back up at some point. Like, what is? I I, I wonder what the the narrative is going to be like. You know, like, like his storytelling. What what sort of ways he's now can communicate because he has such different varying experiences. Who's who he's going to bring on the art, which I think is probably like the biggest one of the biggest draws for me. Like, what is we obviously don't have the questions but like what is that what does that look like yeah you know is it like more modern like is it somebody who has that style like i don't know it's it's very interesting there's a lot of questions to be answered there and you know i think 
the the interesting thing to me is ultimately I think I'm in. Like I think I'm on the hook now though, because like I I kind of want to check out this game. It's apparently pretty good. Um, interesting. And I I would read ten, eleven, and twelve at the very least. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think I think I'm there with you. Like had um had I not read this, I don't think that this is like a concept I would seek out. But knowing that I enjoyed what I have read of it and where it sort of leaves off and 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 all yeah. the details around it, like, yeah, I'm 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 definitely on board. Like this is if you had told me that this is where it ends and that's it. Period. We're done. Right? I'd be frustrated. But knowing knowing that, I think that it's enough hope to be like, okay, cool, fine, like like fine. I, I'll give it the chance because I did enjoy it and I wanted to see that that resolution because I was engaged enough. We also have the benefit of reading it. Like if if these ever come out, right? Like we're probably the most privileged group of readers in this book <laughs> to have come in this late and be like, oh yeah, we're, I had to wait like a year. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, is that one guy? It's been. 2000 it's been 20 years yeah. 20 years i've waited for this book yeah Jared? yeah man if 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 most of the people reading this book are thriving off a diet of you know mountain dew and doritos i don't know if they'll, they'll, they'll make it for <laughs> they'll live to see yeah. it and it's funny that you likened i think marco i think you likened it to uh, jim lee's art because you talk about a guy who does not like meeting deadlines <laughs> who are you gary frank <laughs> So, all right, let's stop taking pot shots at artists. Um, let's uh, let's talk about the art. Do you think you know? uh, Rob Liefeld, mm, our friend, our <laughs> friend of the show? Okay, the back show. off, back off. Just because the man can't draw feet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> look, he'll make that joke about himself. I think that one's fair game. So let's talk about the art. I we've talked a, a good amount about the story. Like it's it's you know we didn't touch on all the beats or all of the characters, but I don't really feel like this is a book that's about that. Are there any other like specific things you guys want to call out or talk about in that regard, or yeah. do you feel good moving to the well, art? Yeah, go ahead. Mark, go. I, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go I ahead. think there was this. Uh, it, it's funny uh, in WWE, Vince McMahon is always talking about how they are more concerned with creating moments than story and. More times than not in WWE, it doesn't work out. Uh, but that's how I feel about this book. But it does work out because the book feels like it's more about moments than anything else. Like when um, Garrison gets his Thundercat sword, like that's a moment. Oh, that was so cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or uh, I, this kind of can tie into the art, but like any uh, any time that we saw uh, the wizard... Um, Nolan. Nolan. I was gonna say Noble. Nolan uh, do anything like like when he like became part of the wall and stuff like that. Also a really oh, cool yeah. moment. Like pretty much all of what was it issue four where there was like um, the big fight in the city. Those are all like really yes. satisfying moments. And yeah, and I, and I don't think there's a shortage of them. You know, because I and we we touched on a few of our favorites earlier, but I think like there's a good mix of. Um, of like good quiet moments, but also like good loud moments. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of satisfying action. Um, but like again, I think if you asked me what my favorite moment of the book was, it would be the the thing of him beating the birds. You know, um, or or getting knocked across the pond. That was another really really good one. That was great. Yeah, yeah. So I I definitely think it's it's a book where like it's more about the journey than the destination. Because like we could walk you through the beats of it as much as we want, but I don't really think that's what it's about. 
So I, I, my, my, I think my, my biggest, my one, like big critique was um, the part where the brother gets introduced. I feel like that whole section, um, like after after we see August sort of arise, right, and and um, well, which we call it the the brother. I'm trying to find his name. Um, he I've like been trying to find it too. <laughs> he like re- he like reveals himself because he had I guess taken the facade of. He, he uh, his is, friend, yeah, of, of Garrison's friend from the first issue, who shows up to his house and like tries to get his help. The blonde and, like, knight, Cavius, uh, Cavius, but but like, yeah, I, I was I'm con- I, I was so confused because like we don't we don't see that necessarily in that like, that moment, and it it got me really really confused when he he pops out and um he reveals himself and he's like oh by the way I'm also your brother. Um, it, it it made it so, uh, I guess, kind of convoluted, and I, for me, that part got, got super just messy, messy from a storytelling perspective. Where like it it disengaged me because there was just so much going on, you know. Garrison was fighting the these like wolf, um, this giant muck monster, right? And then um, there were also werewolves that popped out, and then the brother comes out. And he's like, oh, but also I am your. Um, I'm your sibling and you know your father really loved me but he really he's like an asshole there was just so much going on it, it became all too busy that um, this was the one part for me where the story kind of broke down a bit compared to what we had been seeing and, and sort of the pacing that that Phil had mentioned where maybe because there was so much time in between issues that you know he sort of it, it felt to me like looking back to it maybe there was like a loss of focus in in a lot of it um, I don't know if you guys felt anyway about it but but that was I like did, my, my biggest... i did feel that way about that specific part um because i remember them introducing me to the blonde guy uh Navalis, right something like that yeah I'm looking, and, I'm, I'm looking for it and i remember them being like there's like the page of him being like and most just call him a monster and like he's right. you know he's a villain got it okay um but then when he took the form of the guy who i remember being a good guy that confused me, and it also I was kind of like, is he connected to August? Does he have his own agenda? Like, I'm not, I'm not totally following. Like, who's doing what? You know, and 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 then like even like seeing August in like the full black armor, but then later when he fights, he's like blue and he's got like the gold tattoos or whatever. Like there, there was like a lot of that where I was, I got a little bit like lost in the weeds, and I had to kind of like put the pieces back together for myself. Uh, so his name is Sebastius Nef- Nefar. Nefar, okay. Um, so yeah, I I definitely am with you there. I wonder if those are things that like it. It kind of gave me the impression of like, oh, this would have made sense if there were more issues. Maybe you know, like yeah. if if we had kept reading, we would have known who those people were over time, and you would have had that. It's like how in the first issue they show um, the one wizard get killed by august with like the doll and i was like what the fuck is that about and like i had no idea what that was related to and and then eventually when uh oh yes i just said his name nolan is having the nightmare you're like mm-hmm. oh that's the guy from mm-hmm. the be- okay i get it so like 
I think those are things that were eventually going to be reveals or like they're things that like the characters would be more prevalent over time. So you'd be like, oh, got it. Okay. This is who this is and this is who that is. And it kind of reminds me of like watching the first season of Game of Thrones or something like that where you're like, I don't know everyone's names yet, but this is that guy. And (laughs) it's like it had that kind of vibe to me where I think if you had had more time with it, you would have just gotten accustomed to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so some of the oh no, go ahead, Phil, go ahead. It's just like the introduction of the brother. These are these are plot elements where uh, in a continuing series, you know, so so this had maybe three issues left, correct? And we're introduced to this brother in issue eight or nine. Uh, it's the kind of thing that happens when you you start introducing new plot threads as the story goes on and on, and when it ends so anticlimactically like this um you know when you start wheeling in new threads it 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 makes it feel disjointed because obviously i feel like this was paced with the intention of being multiple story arcs right i was i think this is paced with the intention of being like a 50 to 100 issue series right. not uh like 12 to you know 24 yeah, so um and i think i think in the broader context, I think it does suffer for that, right? Because, like, you get these interesting characters and threads introduced that, you know, we have no idea where they were going to go or what they were going to be or what they could have been. Right. Which is frustrating, for sure. Because um, I thought the, the brother character and, like, his relationship to Gully like, was really interesting. I wanted to see where that was going to go before I kind of made a judgment sure. on it. And obviously without that resolution, like... What do you, yeah, what can you say? Right. Um, the only other thing I, I kind of wanted to touch on, and I, I, I guess this is a good segue into the art conversation. Um, I think I think the biggest con for me was like was how horny the book was, <laughs> and like it, what? it it didn't it didn't like ruin it for me, um, but it felt like very much like a product of its time, right? <laughs> to the point of like it reminded me of like. Um, like the sexualization of like Lara Croft in the '90s, and it's just like how it's just like how horny fucking nerd culture was then, you know? Was? Like, I mean, I feel like huh? it was way worse then than it is now, even which says a lot because it's still horny as fuck. But like, it was dripping with that, just you know, because like I, I feel like it would be one thing if um, if it was just like okay, Red Monica has, like, a super revealing outfit, and she's, like, super, you know, like, sexualized and elsewhere. Pete, you brought, you sort of brought bringing this up, and, and this is literally the page I scrolled across. Um, Oops. Hold yeah, on. just big boob Pete, shots. let's, let's um, leave the room here for a second so Marco can just, you know, do his thing. Have a yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah, so I, it's just, like, to the point of, like, you know, the, fir- the first issue's alternate cover is, like, looks like overt, like, like, porn. Oh, I mean, um, you open it up, and the first thing you see is she's, like, uh, squeezing her titties, and it's like, okay, here we go. And hot, it, hot it literally says, come on, take a peek. And she has a Battle Chasers tattoo on her ass, and her like, you can see, like, you know, everything in, in the downstairs. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. And, like, like I said, it didn't, it didn't ruin it for me, you know? But, like, every time it happened, it kind of took me out of the the story you know because it was just like this 
just so overt. And it, it reminds me of um, – this is something that Phil and I remember talking about and off mic a while ago where uh, he had been getting into My Hero Academia and you're like, I really like it, but I don't like how horny it is because it like makes me feel – kind of like embarrassed to like it and like <laughs> yeah that's that's how i feel about this of like i did really enjoy this but if i was gonna just be like oh i'm a battle chasers fan and then someone goes and looks at the first issue and the first thing they see is like porn it's like oh that's kind of lame like it, it it reminds me of like being like uh like a 13 year old boy who's like just like sexually disgruntled, you know, like it's very like, ah, I have sexual feelings, but I don't know where to put them. So book, you know, it's like, ah, it doesn't add anything. It's it's like, it's just, it's just quote unquote fan service. And as a fan, I did not feel served. <laughs> no, see that, that, that's the mistake you make is that you come in from it with, I'm a battle chasers fan and red Monica's there. No, 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 no. You go, I'm a red Monica fan. And battle chasers was a story, which she was in that's what that's what horny people like you think about i guess so, <laughs> Marco, would you get a body pillow of red monica hell yeah dude <laughs> like like did you guys how read dare the... you ask that question it'll, you, you know what it, you know, image it'll be this one. Oh my god yeah that's what i'm talking about uh you know the two backup stories they had about Red Monica that was like by a different artist. Yeah. Oof. Sweaty, bro. That was the the first one was the first one was fine. Uh yeah. The second Sweaty. one is her and Garrison having a sword fight. Which ends with them just being super sweaty. She's on top of him, and there's like multiple pieces of dialogue about him trying to think about not getting a boner. And I'm just like, I this is the la- and like the fact that that's the backup story in the last issue of this book that I could potentially ever read. I was like, that's a note to end it on, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's like ah, I don't know about this, guys. Uh, he he uh, he was definitely trying hard not to play with his sword. Hey, I want to find. I really want to look to find the sword of omens, huh? <laughs> like a really dull. Like some of that dialogue is literally that bad. It's it's real bad. Um, he goes the first. He's like, "Oh no, S- stay down, little soldier!" <laughs> like, stop, just stop, guys. Concentrate. Make your will into steel. Yeah, that's not the only thing he was making into steel. It's, it's yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's like the the silliness of it to some extent. Um, which is you know, I, I, I guess it depends. But it, it, it the the moments in therein are are, are fun. They're like, uh, in fun intended. Less so, like, I think, uh, from a male perspective, sexualized necessarily. Like, they are obviously, but it's not within any like, um, malice. I feel. No, I I wouldn't say that it's like with malice. I think it's more just like it, it is like a very like male gazy thing of like 13 year old boys are going to read this book and they're going <laughs> to jerk off to this character and they're going to love it and it's like, uh, like that's uh, fine uh, I guess uh, like whatever uh, uh, she she <laughs> hot oh redhead oh whoa, whoa, Phil hands <laughs> up yeah cause like that's that's I guess the, the thing about it right is like I didn't find it like offensive or anything like that I didn't find it to be like you know I think it's 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 sure it's innocent enough, but it's just kind of like 
it very much made me like roll my eyes every time or have me like like I would just show it to Sarah and just be like just look at this just look what is your genuine reaction to this image <laughs> like <laughs> I, I will say though that I think that from um, <clears throat> being a book that is so drowned in style like this was such a departure from the art that we'd seen in the actual book so it was interesting yeah. to see how much his style had grown much more into like a manga style compared to what we were seeing previously like uh just like looking at at the at the face you know the lips are a little bit more pronounced the faces are a little more skewed he um it it looks a lot just a lot more japanese manga influence which i i had mixed feelings on because i felt like he he had so much more of a um uh um like uh, not descriptive what is it he, he was very um detailed in in like the art like the you know where the muscles would be placed where things would necessarily be um the anatomy of everything it, it was very well like uh drawn and 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 the it starts to lose some of that form some of the 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 sizes of the people sort of shrink and and grow and um I, I just thought it was interesting to see how literally from the, over the years his art changed and you can you can see it in like the original series that first backup how it's transitioning and where it ends up in that last piece hmm. yeah yeah i feel like um i feel like that's also a very it's like very characteristic of the um the time as well like i remember like that's a thing that phil has talked about um with 90s comics and like the way that like grant morrison kind of um romanticizes mm -hmm. them and I, I don't mean that with any kind of like you know um i don't mean that as like a backhanded thing i mean he you know he romanticizes them in the fact that he speaks about things very romantically <laughs> but he, he does um, though he does because he recognizes like antithetical to what he and his contemporaries were doing but he means it in a in a really positive way because yeah it was healthy for the and industry. i think like yeah, right, and and I think that um, that st part of that style is not is like drawing characters off model and like not worrying about it's fast and loose. It's like, it's it's cocaine comics, man. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it, I feel like it's like you know, it's got like a like a punk edge to it. You know, Arcane like it's like it's punk fast is and characterized dirty. as this book is characterized as being arcane punk. Yeah. Which I dug uh -huh. a lot. That I think was the coolest thing about it. Like I, I really like um, like steampunk fantasy. You know, uh, the idea of like this mag, this like war golem that looks like a piece of modern tech, but it's like powered by magic is like a very appealing kind of um, elevator pitch for me. And 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 I don't think it's necessarily like fast and fast and loose because well, there's some like, great detail put into it i didn't mean to kind of despair make it sound like i was disparaging it it's just i don't think it really focuses that much on on um uh being grounded like accurate yeah yeah like yeah like i think it's it's like it's about attitude like it like right, right. it's like you said like it's about it's more about moments mm -hmm. than it is about like the whole right and like if in this moment the the drawing is better served by having a character go off model than you take the character off model. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's and that's the you benefit know? of like an illustration. I mean, cartoons do it all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I don't know. Like, I, it's weird because I, 
Phil, you said like I, that's not a thing that usually appeals to me. Like '90s comics are usually a, more of a turnoff for me, and like I don't know what it is specifically about Joe Mad's style that like it did strike a chord with me, you know, and like it made me feel nostalgic for a book I'd I've never read before. Oh, interesting. I feel like I was thinking about this. This really would benefit from. Uh, like a cinematic treatment in 2020. I think of a movie like uh, the new Pixar movie that just came out this past year. Oh, uh, Onward. Onward, uh, with Stranger Things having a lot of D&D references, like uh, fantasy is as popular as it feels like it's ever been. And I feel like something like this would really kind of fit nicely into the, the, the kind of the, the zeitgeist right now. Yeah, I can see that. Um, for me, what because similarly, right? I, I had been trying to figure out like what it was, what was the appeal for me. Um, I think largely it was the the, the TNA, inking. you know, no, the inking because um, none of the lines around anybody's like body necessarily felt heavy. The the any inking that was done was like pretty pretty light. Uh, just in terms of like the usage of black, there wasn't necessarily like any any like like grayscale used um and i i i liked that the um the lines are, are tight and defined um it, it reminded me very much especially when the what nefer came came up of uh full alchemist just the way that that was that was drawn um it's just it's it's detailed it's tight the um, and and the lines in particular i think help define everything and separate everything very cleanly yeah and I think I I the the marriage of those two styles I think was a really really appealing element of it because I think that like that helped me kind of I guess bridge the gap between the two you know because like it is this kind of experimental look and it's like especially like when you look at like the way that he draws children and like they have these huge eyes compared to everyone else like it yeah. feels like very very like manga kind of influence there you know like and like wide yeah like these big expressive doe eyes and like i i think um it, it kind of like in a weird way reminded me of like a manga influenced um like mark bagley yes yep, you know like yep. his stuff on like ultimate spider-man oh. and like it's it's got that kind of like there's like a sleekness to it, but it feels muted, you know, and like it it pops, but sometimes it's flat and like not in a bad way. Like it's intentional, you know, like um, like I'm looking at issue number nine and like the flashback to like the brother's childhood and everything. Yes. Yep. That gives me like serious Ultimate Spider-Man hmm. vibes. Yeah, I see that. But, but the like, coloring especially. But Bagley, he he's his inks are thicker, right? Like if you look yeah, at them. Yeah, and his style's more traditionally Western, you right, know? And, and right. I think like it is like the lighter inks and the the kind of like off-modelness of 90s comics mixed with this Japanese influence. Like it, it has such a unique flavor and like all of it feels familiar, but I feel like what's fresh about it comes from the blending of all the styles, you know? Like, it feels like good fusion music, okay. where you're like, oh, yeah, like, it's it's good because it's taking these disparate things that are familiar to me in theory, but putting them together in a way that is fresh and, like, makes it feel alien but familiar, mm -hmm. you know? Um, it, it very much, it very much struck that kind of chord with me, I think.
Yeah. Um, and Marco, I think you also mentioned um, it serving as like a good bridge to 90s comics. And I agree with that for that reason. You know, it's like I feel like it's it's fresh enough that it draws you in. It's familiar enough that it doesn't turn you off. And then it kind of like within those margins of familiarity, like finds ways to do things that are fresh or experimental, you know, and and I think that's really the success of it. It's it's not as over the top. I feel like this is so controlled compared to again. I'm reading onslaught, right? So like, (laughs) um, like are like '90s Rob Liefeld like Marvel stuff, like you you know, everything's just like massive. I obviously the muscles are on top of muscles, which is fine like anatomically it looks a little off but again they're going off model mm-hmm. but still this is this is still under that restraint of let's have it proportioned and and this and 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 onslaught for example whatever artists kind of pop on try to emulate a sort of more exaggerated style which is fine but i think uh this is this is a very good example of what it could of what you could have um of what you could have with like a talented artist communicating something sequentially to you, right? Mm. The, 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 the nineties artists of X-Men again, whatever meeting, right? It's, it's, it's similar, but it's not similar enough in that it, it's more of that Western influence. I, I did read some Bagley in there as well. Like his, his, um, earlier stuff for me is much stronger compared to like the ultimate stuff that he puts out later. So, I mean, there's a lot there that, can you know fit the the that can fit the mold of what you expect to be 90s and then there are things that are are tight and this is the kind of book that's produced it's it's well drawn uh it's well figured and the anatomy is proportioned but still maintains the stylistic flares of the influences that it comes from nine like the the comic book over-the-top comic book influences as well as the um the manga influences i just sent you guys uh an image i just found over on on pinterest of some of his x-men work and it's very interesting i think he if i remember correctly he did a lot of stuff during the age of apocalypse if you guys ever read that i i can't i can't speak to that but i believe it was pretty content like his x-men stuff was fairly contemporary with battle Mm -hmm. chasers so that probably lines up pretty well. Okay, yeah. So this is like the whole feral Wolverine thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, huh. I wonder if I, I, I wonder if he's John stuff actually. I'm gonna go back to see if he's like done some of this stuff because I'd be interested to like I, take that comparison. I don't think so. I think he like he's reading uh, onslaught. Oh, maybe but he has Uncanny X Men a lot. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, just like looking at this like this image, like seeing like the feral Wolverine and stuff, and kind of like. I don't know, like, uh, it's interesting because I look at this and it definitely feels overtly 90s, but it doesn't feel as, like... The costumes help. The costumes help. They're all, you know, uh, Jim Lee era costumes here, except for Wolverine. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, like, it, it's interesting. Like, he definitely feels like an artist of his time, but it feels like he was doing something different. You know, he was, like, he, like his work hits different for some reason. Mm-hmm. It makes me really interested to, like, check that stuff out. And like, see what it's, see what it's like, see what it's about, you know? Yeah, maybe you know, maybe a, a future project or something. More book clubs on uh, 
90s comics because I think that might be a bit of a hole in all of our like th- this I feel like this book really uh, you know exemplifies image comics from the 90s like all the good qualities of it that people like and uh, yeah you know that's certainly so, how many image comics have the five of us read from the 90s specifically yeah yeah definitely some gaps there um, so Matt or whoever else, uh, if you have any more suggestions, probably mostly Matt, because you're the biggest fan of 90s comics that I know. Uh, if you've got any suggestions for other good books like Battle Chasers, uh, we'd love to hear them. I'd definitely be interested to explore some more stuff from this period, because uh, it is it is a gap for me. Um, I've always been more of an 80s guy when it comes to comics. Mm. So uh, I'd definitely be interested to crawl further down that rabbit hole. Um, so before we wrap it up, any final thoughts on Battle Chasers? If this is what good '90s comics are, I'm I'm interested. Well, you're already reading good '90s comics, right? You're reading Onslaught. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're totally right. 100 percent right. And I can't wear. I can't wait to share that experience with you because it's good stuff. I'm glad that I'll be experiencing it vicariously through you. I'll just say that much. Uh, if you had to rate this one, what would you give it? Would you recommend it? Uh, this was like an eight, honestly. Like. Uh, at no very high seven, low eight, but like, uh, I was impressed. Mm. Would I recommend it? This I had mixed feelings on because obviously it's not complete, and that frustrated me very, very much. I, I, I would if somebody was interested in asking about it, but to like point somebody in this direct in the direction of this. I don't know that I would immediately because there is no like clean resolution and, and if that's what you want in a story like as as a piece as a as a for the for its time I think it's it's interesting for us to like tackle it and, and read it and experience it but I think if you're just looking for a story I don't know that this is necessarily something that's going to fulfill you in that aspect and um, yeah but but otherwise if if you are absolutely like if if this is something that you're looking to to find more about to learn more about then yeah i'm gonna piggyback off marco's um just because i would say i I feel almost exactly the same way i would definitely say it's like a high seven low eight for me somewhere between like 7.5 and and eight um because i did really enjoy it despite its many flaws um and it's the fact that it is unresolved right um as far as recommendation goes I am disappointed to say that I would not recommend it to someone because um, while I was reading it, I actually remember thinking that uh, Thompson, uh, formerly of the Video Game Pals, I thought I thought he would like mm-hmm. it because uh, he really likes fantasy and like he's a big fan of like Warhammer and that's got like a tech magic kind of vibe to it and it just seemed like something that would vibe with his sensibilities. Um, but I actually has like I was about to recommend it to him and then I was like, you know what? I'm not going to because I think if I can recommend someone something, I'm going to want to re- – like I guess the point is like if you have the privilege of recommending that, that someone check something out, I'd want them to check out something that is more complete uh, and that I feel like they'll get more out of versus to your point, Marco, if somebody asked me, oh, you guys read Battle Chasers? I'm really interested. Is it any good? I'd be like, yeah, it is. But it – doesn't have an ending, so be ready for a disappointment. Like, you know, um, I with that caveat, right? right? Yeah. So, like, as a 
as a comics fan, as a comics commentator, like as somebody who really does like to um, have those different tastings and those different samplings, like you said, Marco, I greatly enjoyed it. And I think if you're like us, you'll get something out of it. Um, but that said, I, I wouldn't, it's not a book I would put forward as a recommendation, I wouldn't say. Marco, I think your your summation on whether or not you'd recommend it is how I feel too. You put it pretty much as as well as I could have. Um, with regard to how I would assess it, uh, I would give it like anywhere between like a seven and a seven and a half. I'm not too far off from where you guys are. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah, it was it was it was a really solid book, and it was a really light read. And and honestly, in in 2020, I just I honestly enjoy something that isn't too self indulgent. That's pretty light, and the this a lot of TNA. Mm. Oh no, is that was that mm. it? Feels like I just want to watch some people beat up some monsters and then watch some boobs. You know, like that's what I need, you know, <laughs> and that's what this book provides. You know me. Uh, so yeah, I, I appreciate. The recommendation, Matt. I didn't know what to expect, yep. but uh, I was pleased with the experience. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I was pleasantly surprised, I'd say, um, because I kind of thought that this was going to be like a bad 90s book that Matt ironically <laughs> liked, um, and I would like hate read it. Uh, but I was I was pleasantly surprised to find that I, I really enjoyed it, and um, it genuinely made a fan out of me. To the point where I do want to go pick up the game on my Switch now, uh, and oh, it's I on will. Switch? Yeah, it's on Switch, oh, sick. and okay. uh, that's apparently I think the best version of it. Actually, you guys should live stream um, that, play it together. Oh, yeah. oh Marco, oh, yes, that's okay. a fucking great idea. Hell yeah, Damn we'll so. have to we'll have to work that out. Um, so I, I'm very much interested in, in engaging with that, and I do hope that issues ten through eleven someday materialize and are at a satisfying conclusion at least in some way uh because i definitely really like this series like i'd I'd love to see more of it um and i think if uh if if there is this renewed vigor after the success of the game and uh and get and um this podcast oh my god Uh, yeah right uh and you know and there is that desire for more from from Joe Mad, like, and he's ready to tell more. Like, I'm ready to read more. Yep. And I think, yep, for what this book is, and for how it ended, and all the baggage or, that surrounds it, I think that's a a really strong takeaway that speaks to the fact that like, there's something there. Mm. It's got it's got the special sauce, um, just maybe not quite as much of it as we'd want. Mm. So, uh. Thanks again, Matt, for writing in with the suggestion. I really enjoyed it. Um, I've been really enjoying doing these listener suggestions, so I hope you guys will keep writing in with more of them because the last couple that we've done um, have been books that most of us were not familiar with or books that uh, one of us really loved and you know had wanted an excuse to bring to the book club. And uh, th- You guys have been killing it is what I'm saying. You've been hitting us with good picks and I've really been enjoying doing them. I think they've been a blast. So I hope you'll write into us at thecomicspals@gmail.com or come join our Discord, uh, where we've you know the conversation is always continuing. Uh, there'll be plenty of battle chasers talk to be had over there. I'm sure when this drops. 
So if you want to come chat with us about that, suggest the next book, or just meet some other comic book fans like you or uh, chat with any of us, that's the best way to do it. So I hope you'll come become a, a part of that community because uh, it's been a really great welcoming place, I think. And I think we've created a, a fun environment to come talk about comics and games and all that nerdy shit that we love to, to, to BS about. So uh, again, if this is your first time joining us, I hope you'll come check out the show proper. Uh, where we talk about news and, you know, we review weekly comics and all kinds of stuff under the comic book sun. So if you are a comics fan and you need some comics pals to talk comics with every week, we've got you covered. And I hope you'll come be a, be a part of it. Uh, and if you've been with us for that ride, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being a part of it. Thanks for suggesting. And we'll catch you next month for another edition of the Comics Pals. Book Club. I thought this was Battletoads. Switch, though? Oh, no! <laughs>